Coming to you live from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea, Ohio, this is Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Here are your hosts, Bo Bishop and Nathan Zagura. It is, it is Tuesday. It's a program. Um, I got to tell you, as we do it live here, Merely Bo, the great Z, um, it's a bluebird. I'm disappointed in you. Why? What are you wearing on your lower half? Oh. Uh, I went you shorts know what? That's a for you. That's I was like, we're going shorts. Yeah. The sun's out. It's going to hit 65, I think, this afternoon. Uh-huh. Yeah. Let's go. So here's what happened. Uh, it's... You're a busy Janitor's man, though. It's, it's the reality of the circumstances. Yep. So I was out this morning dealing with the landscape project that will never end, and there's more hiccups. I'm sure. And so that Probably was, in a dense fog. There was a dense fog It was fog a dense this fog morning. this morning, so I was out in the thick of it. Yeah, um, yep. And then it the didn't pants, feel like shorts. Sure, it sure. wasn't short weather then. Right. And, and then I have such a quick turnaround from, you know, noon to now – that I didn't even the things that it wasn't on my list of things that had to, to do. do. We had to right, eat. Right. We had to right. drive over. We have those things. So it was not things needed to happen. Right. Sure. So it is a bad job out of me. I'm not going to deny it. I'm not going right. to deny it. We love I'm not going to deny we it. Love it's you. a bad job. It's a gorgeous day. Uh, and and so we have that going for us, which is nice. I feel like the uh, allergies are out, though. It's like it's on. I, my wife said this to me this morning. She said, you know, I I feel like I'm getting a little bit of nasal drip. And I said, well, welcome to the club. The whole world is right now, man. Like we were, we've this got. This is where we live. That's yeah, how I woke up. That's ex- yeah. literally. Yeah. I 70, think I had that same conversation with Miss K. 70 to, you know, it's 70, it's 38, it's snowing, there's pollen. It's, this is a tough, it's a tough time. Cats this is dogs. a tough time. We got to get through it. We're going to get a uh, tremendous wind tomorrow in the seventies. It sounds like. So that should dry. Yep. No rain? I thought we're. I don't know. Probably it that rains every day, for God's sakes. Yeah, seventy percent chance. Oh, no big deal. Which I now know means seventy percent of the people in the area will get rain. Will get rain, potentially. Potentially, I don't know. It's I don't a play. know. Um, I have. I have to tell you. Uh, good luck to the Cavs tonight, by the way. Uh, yeah, they, they're in Brooklyn, uh, so you got that one at seven. <laughs> Um, a loss there would then mean the winner of Charlotte and, like, and Atlanta, who play Wednesday here, yep. which would be Friday. electric. Yep. I mean, that would be a Prayers win in. It right would be now, Friday but... night here. Friday night, yeah. Friday night, same night, Guardians home opener. Lots going on downtown. I've, uh, Big night. I do another, uh, in my other job, I, the amount of demerits I have for calling them Indians are staggering. It stacks. Yeah. I just, it's going to be really hard. Yeah. To get that out of my head, yes, tr- absurd tragedy in Brooklyn today. Yeah, we've my been God. we've been watching kind of the coverage of it. So far, they've said uh, that they do not believe it's terrorist attack. I don't know what it. Is How do you define right? If that's it, not, it seems pretty bad. And the suspect is still at large. So, oh really? Yeah, yeah. And They're I think, still what, looking for five, five dead, ten in critical condition. Is that still the numbers? Uh, or, up to ten on the shooting. I don't know anything like other bad. than that. And they don't have the because the guy was wearing a gas. It's just very scary, like horror movie stuff. Yeah, what are we doing? I don't know. Very sad. Scary world, my friend. Um, yeah. Certainly is that. Um, so, as a awkward segue to something more light lighthearted, here in the first segment of the show. One of my great pleasures in life is um, nine thirty ish. Boys go to bed, and I'm I don't have a show right now. Like we don't have a show. Like I'm watching Winning Time. But I'm caught up on everything else, and so I don't. I haven't started anything new yet. I've heard like there's a show 
Tokyo Vice or something that Michael Mann did that's on HBO that might is kind of intriguing. I've heard there's a show called Severance that is uh, that's supposed to be that's good an on Apple, Apple TV. Plus. Yeah, but uh, I got it. How do you get Apple TV if you have a Samsung or a Sony TV? It's like, just an it app. Still, it's just like it, I can't even find it to download it. Like you go in the Google Play, it's nowhere. I mean, mine's on like a Roku TV. So oh, you don't have that thing. Uh, anyway, so yeah, I've heard that that one's good. Through the Xbox, you could get it for sure. Well, that's probably what I would do. I'd, I'd have to do that. All right, so there, there are a couple of things yep. out there, but yep. I haven't started anything. So one of the things that I enjoy doing is I'm still old school with the with the cable, and I like to flip around. See what's on. And see what's on. Let's, sure. let's see what's out there. So you pop around. Sometimes you look for a movie on with commercials. Sometimes you find one in the movie channels, and you bounce around. So I had a great experience with this last week. It was the uh, of going from Ocean's 11 to Ocean's 12 on like an AMC. Oh, and then there it. was a um, a few good men was on like BBC. So then every the co- per- commercials worked to where I was always in one of them. And that was pure joy. Beautiful. Last night it was Bueller oh. and Footloose. Oh, OK. So I don't know Bueller, if I've ever seen all of Footloose. <laughs> It seems impossible of a man your age to not be in, to not have seen Footloose and it. It was a Footloose was a movement. Oh yeah, that was a big that's a big deal. I, that's shocking to me. Given I walked the other way. That was well. Both present their challenge. I mean, Footloose presents a lot of challenges. I think Ferris Bueller's probably flawless as a movie. And I wanted to run something by you guys because I was thinking I was talking about this this morning. Is Ferris Bueller the most likable, coolest? high school character in film history. Nobody disliked him. Nobody, except Ed Rooney and his sister, and he flips the sister by the end. So immediately what springs to mind is somebody that would perhaps be in contention, but he ran with his own clique. It wasn't the universal love that Ferris had. Yeah. It was Spicoli. who was Spicoli. Spicoli's, I mean. Spicoli saves Brooke Shields. Van Halen performs at the end for him. I mean, he's it's a lot. He flips the teacher. Oh, he, yeah. He's Mr. Now, Hond. He's now on his side Aloha, at the end. Spicoli. Yeah. Aloha, he's for Mr. him. Hond. Yeah. He's kind of for him Great at the scene. end. But I don't know that he's as universal. I mean, it's cl- he's he's in the conversation. He's probably yeah. in the... His brother doesn't like him, I'll tell you that, the little brother. No, does not. No. Not. No. Uh-uh. That might feels that reeks of jealousy, though. Probably. Yeah. be easy to be jealous. Of course. Marty McFly's pretty good, except the McFly name, I think, is it, it's it's holding him down. It's mud. So post all the time travel, I could go Marty McFly. Teen Wolf? like. Okay. All right. Listen, Gibby. Come on. First of all, Scott was not universally liked. He was a bit of a dork. Yeah. Okay? So let's start there. He had two friends, Boof and the dude who drove the van, Styles. That's it. No friends. Second of all, I think we kind of glaze over the fact that he's a wolf. He is a wolf. I mean, it's a bit of a problem. I think it's a much bigger problem than it's made to be in the film. It's pretty well. It's pretty accepted. glossed over. It's, it's kind of like, like, yeah, he becomes a wolf. Cool. Okay, he's fine. good at basketball. He's great at basketball. The wolf can play. By the way, Mick from the opposing town, whose girlfriend he stole, who randomly decided she wanted to date a dog, that guy didn't like him at all. Not at all. There's not one adversary for Bueller other than a other than Rooney. It's true. Non now you want to go athletes then. Jesus Shuttlesworth and Lance Harbor and yeah, athletes. Right. There's a lot of them that are in the mix. No, but just like a dude. Just a dude? Bueller, I think, is the guy. Bueller and Spicoli. Are the, and we're talking high school, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, Van Wilder would have been, Van Wilder's similar from a college perspective. That's a good and one. And I was I thinking Fat Amy from Pitch Perfect. 
So I don't know that I've seen yeah, that. Yeah, but Van Wilder was like the... Van Wilder You have to be a man. Pied Piper type of a character. That's where, right. like, everybody wants to follow you. Which Everyone is Bueller. Wants, yes. And is... That's where Spicoli doesn't have that. Spicoli was, like, incredibly cool, but Van he ran Wilder. in his clique. Van Wilder, but that's college. But Van Wilder is He's is that, that guy. guy. He's the college And Bueller. probably cooler than Bueller, honestly. Well, there's a level to it because of the college aspect. Sure. That he can do that Bueller can't. I mean, one's a family and one's Absolutely. A, the target audiences are very, very different. Have your kids seen Bueller? I don't know if we watched Bueller yet. I'm, I'm going to run it out with with my 10-year-old. It's it's perfectly appropriate, and I'm going to run it by him and see if it holds up. Well, yeah, other than the, uh, the Graham. But it gets knocked out before. I heard that you were feeling oh! headache, fever, and a chill. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That's she right. to restore his pluck. Yes, but that doesn't – It doesn't, we, don't, we don't finish. It we doesn't finish. reach uh, culmination no. there. That's true. Um, much. I was also reminded that much of my like, <laughs> Which means school, he's pretty cool because somebody sent that to him too. That's of like course. another feather in his cap. He's so many. He's his just abundant feathers. Shaking a baby now. Shaking a baby. Yeah, Donka Shane into oh. Twist and Shout. Um, Captivating the city of Chicago. The city loves him. The police department loved him. Our thoughts are with your son. He's a righteous dude. He's a righteous dude. I mean, they all like him. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's him. Much of my middle school repertoire was based on Bueller. Bueller, yeah. A lot of my act was based on that. I tried some of his methods to get out of going to school. Like yeah. Lick the hands, clammy hand. Not Nothing worked in my household. I did get pretty good, though, at somehow getting the thermometer into my bathroom, and my sink ran really hot, and I could get it to, like, it would go to, like, 106, and then I was mercury, so then I have to shake it. But you have to be careful. You have to shake it down to, like, right. 100, but you can't go down to, you can't go too low, but you can't go too high, because then you have a, well, that's a one doctor's of Bueller's, situation. Yeah, that's one of Bueller's ethos, one of his credos, is then you're in a hospital. You gotta I be... got pretty good at it with my mom, but then my dad caught it, got wise to it, and was like, you can the thermometer stays in my sight at all times. <laughs> I definitely, that's good. I definitely use, of course, Pedro would have that. Yeah. The, um, Cause he did everything. He, he was there just, no tricks that could be pulled on. He was he such a all. worthy adversary for you. And, and the thing and about it was, made you who you are. I think it allows for your cunning, but I wasn't an adversary. I was a, in gr- his mind. You were, I was a great kid. Of course. I didn't get into any trouble because I got of the yoke that he A's. put you I under was an athlete but i was never like i stuck in my house once right once and he caught right. me and, once and pedro would say because of his yoke that you were under that that that's why that yeah. discipline when and i, I came feel back, like they're still a little ongoing today it's always they're there. always there when i went to college my first semester i go to emory and like when you go to college dude you're on your own you're living brother that's it like yeah, it's that's just an you. incredible thing. You only not, do whatever, whatever you, you want. want to do. Yeah. But and then I went, you have to come home to it. Well, I went to college. Fall break was, you know, I live, I was in Atlanta. Not that it's just a nonstop flight back to the Bay Area, but I was deemed too far to get a return ticket to come home. So fall break, I stayed out there. Yeah. So I didn't see my parents again until I came home for winter break. Mm-hmm. And I had gotten straight A's. I handled my business. I was partying my face off having the time of my life no yoke and i remember yeah. i came home and my dad's like i went out with some of my friends and my dad's like you gotta be home by midnight i'm like it's over <laughs> i'm like it's over like i went to college i was completely on my own i did everything you guys could have wanted me to do in fact at the end of my first semester i became an emory scholar i got like money I was yep like, no i've improved over. my standing in fact it's over and that was it it was over he stood by it yeah not his house his rules like at that point he's like okay yeah Wow. Well, I tip my hat to Pedro there. Yeah. I like that. At least there was he, a 
there was an acknowledgement of, all right, dude, you went out on your own as an adult. Yeah, handled your business, and now, whatever. There was a lot of still minor things that were like my house, my rules, a ton. Of course. Like chores and this and that, whatever. But curfew was no more. Because that used to be the biggest point of contention with us is that there would always be like a curfew, but then I'd have my buddy uh, Vince McCary, and we'd like come home and make my curfew because Vince didn't have a curfew, and then I'd be like, but I got to drive Vince home. And then he'd be like, no. Yeah. And then chaos would erupt and ensue and all of the the, the great things. <laughs> it's great. So great. Yeah, I think that I, I definitely use the Bueller tactics. I like Bueller. I yeah. think the um I use the Bueller, Bueller tactics a couple of times on the on the get sick thing uh, with the folks. The um the one thing I would say though sometimes about skipping out, like you really had to be smart about that because in your mind you were going to create some sort of a Bueller situation. But that was never in play, and then no. the next day, like it, it all stacked on you. It did stack on you. I you had to be really good, savvy with it. As a, when I was a younger kid, and I would be able to get out every now and then, I'd get to watch. I would watch uh, either Swiss Family Robinson or Blackbeard's Ghost, and I'd just get on the video games, and I'd just have like a yeah. video game day, and I'd be like, "It's great." Yeah, that's always strong if you can if you can run that back. I was always worrisome of of uh, of my because my dad could come in at any time. See, my dad was at school. Yeah, there were he's not. He was at school. Like he, you know. At any point, he could have come in from outside, and at any point, so I was kind of always on a swivel. And my mom had worked the graveyard shift, so she was often sleeping, you know, in the oh. in the day. So then it was, I basically hit, and then it's, oh, yep, I'm not well, I'm not well. It's great, <clears throat> yeah, really, really good. Uh, hey, it felt like such an accomplishment though at the time when you could get oh, like a day off of school. It was the like relief, yeah, the relief of brothers, my younger brothers leaving to school. And me not, and a King silent household. King of the castle, yeah, King of the castle. The silent house. Oh, I can do whatever I want now. And for you, I've you done had, it. You had no snow days ever in the no. Bay Area, so like school was. You were going. I was going. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to be fair, you didn't have them in Montana either. You just sorted <laughs> it out. There's one snow day ever. There's ever. Tons of them here. Oh, here you can't wait to throw a snow day at a kid. Uh, you throw, throw a snow in. day two They're days spoiled. before it snows. Yeah. Right. In, in preparation We're for shut the it snow. down. Shut it down. My kids who just had a two week spring break that ended yeah. what, like a week ago, two weeks ago? Yeah. Staff meeting, so they had yesterday off. Like these kids have the, I mean they have no idea. When are they done? Like early. They're done in May. Yeah. It's incredible. It's, yeah, ours go to like into June now. But I feel like I used to. I used I to go like like, off every two weeks for something. I used to be like I feel like back in my day, I'm old man. Right. I feel like I went to school. I know I started at the end of August, and I finished in June. We were always, the latest I'd ever start was Labor Day, which would be the first weekend in September. But that was once I went to high school. But like middle school, that we were always in school. Always in school. We were always done before Memorial and and started after Labor, and a lot of that had to do with the agriculture. But we didn't have spring break. Right. Like you went straight through, so you didn't have spring break. And so it was it was a straight through situation because I think they want to do they want to make sure you get help with all the, all the agriculture. I just looked at my phone. Nana goes, I didn't realize you did that. <laughs> what I do, what I do, what I do. Yeah, that's good. That's very, very good. Uh, Dearness Johnson signs with Drew Rosenhaus. You have that going as well yeah. uh, on that side. Okay. So remember, he's a restricted free agent, which means another team can sign him. The Browns would have the right to match that offer to keep him. 
There we go. That's where we stand on that. Uh, we'll go around the league. Interesting. We kind of got into this a little bit with on the Lamar thing when you're trying to think who could line up for quarterbacks. Uh, John Harbaugh with some interesting comments on that side of thing. Charlie Campbell will join us at Walter Football Draft Analyst. Uh, his latest five-round mock. We'll take a look at the edge, the receiver positions, some of those guys deeper in the draft. We will get to that as things continue on. Nick Shook will join us as well to talk a little bit of the league. Nick here. Shook. The great Nick Shook will yeah. join us. Um, by the way, Previtz with a big ask, it, it seems, could be very intriguing. If we could I'm into up, it. We'll see. We'll what, are we going to throw an ad Gibby on the air? Are we going to hit him with it on maybe. the air? Maybe. That could happen. It's in play. Keep him on his toes. See if he's yeah. paying attention. Uh, we're off and running here on a Tuesday Debatable. edition. Cleveland Browns Daily, 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Bo here for Char Whiskey Bar and Grill in Rocky River. Enjoy over 300 whiskeys, craft cocktails paired with made-from-scratch menu items. Char will also be coming out with a new spring menu in a couple of weeks with new items on the brunch and main menus. Support local. Visit Char Whiskey Bar and Grill in Rocky River or at charrockyriver.com. This was John Harbaugh on the Lamar Jackson contract situation. Uh, this was on the Rich Eisen Show. He said, quote, when he's ready to do it, it's going to become a priority for him. Then we're going to know it, you know? It doesn't have to be a priority for us right now. It's got to be a priority for both sides. We can do something or we can wait because we know it's going to get done and it's supposed to get done. Hey, when it's God's will and Lamar's will at the same time, it's all going to fit together. When you and I were looking at uh, who was the team? Was it the Eagles? Eagles. Eagles. When we were talking about the Eagles, like who's the guy that no one's talking about who could be available? The two guys we mentioned were Lamar and Kyler. Um, those are the two big-time quarterbacks who you feel like could be available that you're not considering right now, and even Kyler more than Lamar. But this Lamar stuff, and you brought, you've been bringing this up since the combine, something's fishy. Something doesn't seem right. If I was a Ravens fan who wanted Lamar Jackson to be my franchise yeah. quarterback, I would not feel great right now. I would just feel like this. What are we doing? What are, what's going on? Yeah. And it feels to me, you know, maybe he's happy to just play there, franchise, franchise, and do whatever, make good money, have the guaranteed each year. That's a way to do it. But it feels – it does something just feels off there. And I think that there is some school of thought that in a conference in which you are going to have to throw the football very effectively to be competitive in the upper echelons of this conference, that even though Lamar has been the MVP and I had the best touchdown-interception ratio that year, maybe even led the league in passing touchdowns that year, to be honest, that they don't feel he can do that. There has to be some hesitation because – there's an offer if they were fully committed to it, whether it's a priority for him or not, that Correct. they could make that he says, yep, I'm here. They're not making that offer. So the question is, well, why not? And why is he not ready? Why is when it's Lamar's will, when it's it's got to be, they basically have said it's not a priority for him. Right. Which is odd. Yeah. What, you, what's he? What, yeah. You can make it a priority for him. He may think I want to play somewhere else which would raise a lot of questions about why and where and where and how. Yeah. And for the Ravens, then you could be in a, a tough situation. There's something about this that just feels like Agreed. if it was people wanted it to get done, I believe that it would get done. Yeah. So this, it is an odd thing and it, it'll be something I think that's a pretty big story. And now if we go through the draft and nothing happens, my guess is he is fully content to play this year out. 
and then say, franchise me or I'm going to sign somewhere else. Because that is another way to get around if the Ravens have said to him, we're not willing to fully guarantee your contract. It's willing to get, I can get two years fully guaranteed and then sign somewhere else and see where the market is at that point. Comes with some risk, though, given his style of play and given what we saw this past season where he did get injured. Yeah. I don't know. That one is that one's a wild one to me. And you know what's crazy is you look at the AFC right now. They did a thing on Good Morning Football where they drafted, they did a snake draft of who they thought could win the AFC. Yeah, I saw that. You saw that? Mm-hmm. Like the Broncos were tenth. Right. <laughs> yeah. Seven make it. To the playoffs. Yeah. Forget right. winning the AFC. Yeah. The Broncos were 10th. I believe the Ravens were 8th. I think we were 7th, if I have that right. And I think it came out or came back around like the Titans and somebody before. We were 6th, I think. 6th. Yeah, because yeah. it went 4 across and we were the second one in the in the second thing, if memory serves. Yeah, I think 6th. Early in the second round. Yeah. But, I mean, that is just a, it's a stunning amount of talent. The Ravens were behind us. I do know that. Uh, we were, The Bengals were ahead of us. But in a loaded division, in a loaded conference, it just – Having that sorted out, it just makes it hard for your organization to feel stable without that being sorted out. And I just think it is a wild thing. And the way that it's being talked about, like like I said, if you're a Ravens fan and you are a fully a Lamar guy and you hear these comments, you're kind of like, huh? Like, what's going on? Like, we're doing we have a lot of lip service. But some, clearly this deal is not even close to getting done. Well, and the, yeah, it look, it was going to be the most complicated extension anyway because of all of the factors you just outlined. It was going to be that anyway because the longevity of it all, uh, the 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 health of Lamar, and he's largely been healthy. I mean, in 19 and 20, he played 15 games. He started 15 games in both. Uh, last year was the first year that he was really hurt and went yes. and went just and play, still played 12 games and went 7 and 5 in those starts. So last year was really the only year that he was hurt, but it's the other part of it too in an era where you have got to throw the ball at a high efficiency. Yeah. And the thing that you said and it's it's the perfect way to say it, can you throw when everybody knows you have to throw? Can you still throw? And if you can't, then you can't win at all. And Baltimore is a is an organization. They've won two Super Bowls. They're an organization that they they're they're either that or they're not like they're all in to be that. And if if they feel like he can't be that, I don't think that they would be crazy about giving him a, a guaranteed bunch of money. That they don't feel like he can do it. And that's where I think we are. Right. That's now. where I think we are as well. And it's Is something that, that we've saying, talked about. And yeah. I think the fact I think us with the Deshaun deal probably only exacerbated it from their perspective, makes it even harder for them, because how do they put a true value on him? Like if they were saying, OK, we're well, and I, I have no idea about this, but let's just spitball. All right, we'll do a, let's do a four-year, one fifty, a hundred guaranteed, or something like that. Probably yeah, one seventy, one eighty, wherever yeah, it would fine, be. Yeah, fine. You know, but but a hundred of it's guaranteed, and he's going. Wait a second, Deshaun got two thirty, guaranteed, guaranteed. Like, I want an MVP. I've been playing. I'd like a taste of that. So that that's where this gets more complicated. I got news for you. There will be complications in Cincinnati with Joe Burrow unless Joe decides to give them discounts, which he might. Which he might. And they have an ability at least to have a multi-year plan for that. Correct. So they can do what they need to do as the Brown family to identify, you know, put finances away or secure them Correct. for the purpose of that. The same will be true in, San, in, in, Los, in Los Angeles, Angeles with the yes. Chargers. The, the Spanos family, family would be in a similar spot. Yes. So you could see this repeated 
uh, throughout the league. But those two are two guys, and it's crazy to say, but because Burrow's missed an entire season already, or most of a season already. Um, but there are guys who, theoretically, the way the game is officiated, will not take hits long-term very often. They'll take less and less. They'll be protected in the pocket. Lamar doesn't play that way. Right. It's almost like we're lucky from, from in terms of enjoying watching him play. We're lucky, and fans of the Ravens are lucky that he's played as much as he has with as much as he takes off. Yeah. It's pretty remarkable. And, I mean, he's done a remarkable job. I mean, I remember coming out of that Chargers playoff game, we didn't think there was going to be much to that offense next year, and he just went on and won the MVP. Yep. So, but last year you started to see teams identifying and saying, we are going to force you to throw it. That Miami game I think will stick with everybody for a long, long time. We are going to force you to throw it. We're going to blitz into your running, your escape lanes, and we're going to make you make throws in man situations to moving targets, and that's something that he struggled to do. You know, and that's that's the bottom line. Very understand. Nice quarter zip, though. Nice quarter zip there. I was I was look I was trying to make it, get a read on those uh, Air Max nineties. I believe that's what it looked like, and yep. it looked like they were. I think that's the off noi. How do you say it? Off white. No, N O I. Noir. Noir. Off noir. Yeah. Like a blue ink. Uh-huh. Like a jacar noir. Jacar uh, noir. I bet you rocked a lot of that. Did I did. You rock that. Yeah. I did. What was it's your like first Black cologne? Panther. It works none of the time. Forty <laughs> percent. My first one, Polo Sport. Polo Sport. It was a delight. Of course, it was a delight. Obsession. Calvin Klein yeah. obsession. Mine was Ralph Lauren Polo Sport. Nice blue bottle. The last time I wore cologne, by the way, I could say was probably in maybe in college. Maybe I did. Yeah. Maybe. I don't mind. I a, don't believe. If, so, if we go out to like a dinner with a bunch of people, I don't mind a a light. One press spritz walkthrough, okay, just so that there's a little, something. just a little something. I like a little to throw something. my natural musk. Your musk, out there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you and McConaughey, that's how he rolls. No, Absolutely. no deodorant, no. Uh, I deodorize. No, de- no deodorant and no, uh, no natural musk. No, no, I, no, no artificial let, musks. Let the record state, we do not roll the same way. I, I do. You do wear the deodorant. I always told my wife. Gillette Cool Wave Gel, antiperspirant and deodorant one. He was the only one who could get away with that in the history of the world. Like, there's one dude who could get away with that. I just, I don't know. Like, and I find that Miss K wears, and she goes through whatever she's into from the perfume standpoint. And she she always smells great. I just feel like I want to, I don't know. I I, I don't, because maybe I associate it with high school and like. It's just yeah, been so it's, long it, for me. I'll tell you, yeah, there was a Burberry stretch, a Burberry touch stretch I had oh, in mm-hmm. my 20s that I was into. Uh, Doug Schichetti, who was as cool as his name would lead you to believe, was a, a cousin of my best friend, and he put us onto obsession. And we thought, God, that guy gets so many chicks. Like, if he's doing it, so it feels the, like that makes sense that I should wear obsession too. The second one that I had, which was after Polo Sport, because it was a, a, a Polo Sport and then into Cool Water. Cool Water. Cool Water. My brother like, was a Cool Water guy. Had a little Cool Water. Cool Water. Yeah. Cool water. Yeah, my you brother. Felt, was, you felt confident when you went out in some cool water. Of course, water you did. Yeah. Oh, yeah, my you brother made was a it into cool some water rap songs. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Um, all right, coming up next, Charlie Campbell, join us, draft analyst. We're so old, by the way. So old. So old. Cool water, polo sport, Bueller, Dracar Noir. All of these things, fantastic. Like, do you think those are? Do they still exist? Cologne. Those are like those. those still exist. Jakar Noir, Polo Sport, and Cool Water are still. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm sure Polo Sport yes. is. I'm sure. Wow. I, I I'm sure Obsession is. That feels like a lock that that would still yeah. be all the Calvin Klein, the Eternity, yeah. all that oh, stuff sure, would sure. all be. It still in exists. The mix. I feel like all those would be in the mix. Yep. Cool Water was by what? Davidoff. Davidoff. Yeah. We got a guest like a minute ago. 
Yeah, oh, sorry. Charlie Campbell. Up He's next. coming. Cleveland Browns Daily 850. Let's we'll see what Chloe wears. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. A lot of bad advice out there about gambling from secret methods to picking lottery numbers to betting big when you're on a roll. The miss can lose you money, keep you in a lot of trouble. So before you wager, find out what's real and what isn't at keepitfunohio.com. Let's head out on the hotline for a visit with Charlie Campbell, draft analyst at Walter Football. Before we get into all the football, Charlie, what was your first cologne? As a kid, was there one that jumps out? Pardon? I, I broke up there just a second. <laughs> the question was worthy of breaking up. We were just having a conversation on the show here about uh, our first colognes uh, that we wore. Uh, for example, Calvin Klein Obsession, Cool Water was thrown around. Polo Truck Sport. Noir, Noir, Polo Sport. What was yours? Do you remember? Uh, I believe it was Cool Water on my own. Yes. I think my I think I think my grandparents got me a Brooks Brothers one when I was in yes. high school. But I think the first one I bought on my own was Cool Water. So. A Brooks I, Brothers I, cologne that had to have a real wood, some wood. That elements. really had to be an elegant. Yeah. 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 God, that's yeah. strong. Yeah. Charlie. Yeah. I, I think they had better taste than I did in hindsight. Oh, no. Cool Water was great. No, I think you did just fine for yeah, yourself. That's a, a win, job. Charlie. Um, all right, before we get into the specifics of this, and we'll focus on kind of our needs and where you have us going in this thing. Um, from your perspective, when you're putting together a five-round mock, is your attitude, this is what I would do at this spot, or or is your attitude towards it, this is what I think they will do in this spot? Yeah, my mocks are 100% based on what I think teams will do, not what I think they should do, because my opinion on players at the end of the day is irrelevant. What does matter is where teams value guys. So I work really hard to try and uh, find out from them and lean on uh, people who know more than I do, scouts across the league where they're valuing players so I can get an accurate projection of the right range and then, you know, trying to uh, get information to see who might like who and, you know, who's a better fit for who, that kind of thing. My mocks are 100% based on what I think teams will do, and I don't care about my opinion at all. It doesn't matter. All I want to do is find out where they value guys and try and make an accurate mock for our readers. And just one caveat to prove where we are with this with Charlie. Uh, I'm seeing here in 17 and 19, you had the most accurate mock draft in the NFL media, and you were second place in 2021. So the man knows what he's doing, Z. No doubt. Congrats on that. And that's why that's why we've got him on the show here. Now, the one thing I'm not, just from sitting in my seat, that I'm not happy about, given that your accuracy is so well-known, no receiver for the Browns here in either the second, third, or fourth. We'll talk about where you go. I think everybody would agree looking at this roster right now, the biggest needs as they sit today are probably edge defender would be number one with Clowney still not re-signed, defensive tackle, wide receiver. Those are probably the three biggest positions of need right now. You attack the first two with the first two picks. What are you? What's your kind of sense of how the Browns are viewing this world? I would also add there are definitely more options to help this team at receiver and free agency still currently out there. Uh, it doesn't just have to be the draft. Yeah, exactly. I could see, uh, depending on the draft, how it shakes out, that there could be some nice receivers there for them. 
uh, on in the second round, and I think some of the veteran receivers out there in free agency would make sense to work with Deshaun Watson. Uh, but definitely they have some good options available because the day two – uh, value. I think there's some going to be some excellent values for edge rusher and wide receiver in the second round. So the Browns uh, are really fortunate that the, the strength of the draft plays into the kind of needs of the roster. So they're not reaching necessarily. They're filling a need with a quality talent that's worthy of going at that spot. So they have great options there. Edge rusher, you could look at Drake Jackson from USC or Arnold Abichetti from Penn State, who I think could end up being a steal, a kind of a Yannick and Gakwe uh, type edge rusher, which I think would be a great fit across from Miles Garrett. Uh, so you have, you know, a few options there. Cameron Thomas, another edge rusher, would be a good player to consider in the second round. And then receiver, there's just going to be a lot of good players there, whether it's Jahan Dotson from Penn State. Uh, I'm not sure Christian Watson, the North Dakota State receiver, makes it to round two anymore. No, it doesn't seem that way. But, uh, yeah, Alec Pierce from Cincinnati I think could be a steal for someone. Wandale Robinson uh, from Kentucky just dominated the SEC last year. He's a really good football player that's being undervalued. So I think the Browns are are in a great spot. And this was a great draft for them to deal uh, the first of the first-round picks for Watson because I think they they come away with – an elite quarterback already and they could come away with a really good starter and an edge rusher or wide receiver in the second round talking with charlie campbell the draft analyst at walter football and and let's just focus in on these edges you have the browns taking drake jackson out of usc at number 44 i know that you like him you like arnold you mentioned uh from penn state abikite the question I have for you is, David Ajaba, where would he have gone without the Achilles injury in your mind? And is that somebody that the Browns would sh- or should consider at 44, knowing that he's probably going to have to redshirt at least a good portion of this season? Yeah, I definitely agree. I think if, if Ajabo didn't have the injury, he'd have gone in the top 16. There's a lot of teams. Wow. Uh, in that part of the draft that need pass rush help, and he was being viewed as worthy of going uh, in the top half of the first round. So that's where I think he would have gone. And then for the Browns, I think that would be a great pick because even though they they have the roster to win now, they have the roster to win next year and the year after. Deshaun Watson's very young in his career. He's opening up a you know, 10 to 15 year Super Bowl window when you have an elite quarterback. So there's no reason to rush it. And if Ajabo is there in the second round, I think that would be a really nice pick for them. They can, you know, redshirt him a year. Maybe, hopefully, they get Clowney back. Uh, Chase Winovich is a nice rotational edge rusher that they acquired. So they could hold off for a year and then bring him back. Uh, come 2023 and you have a top 16 talent added to the defense and you're rewarded for being patient yeah certainly that is something that we've talked about a lot in in the mock that you have us at 44 you have us taking drake jackson the defensive end out of usc um what what can you tell us about his game the fit i mean everyone's going to fit opposite miles obviously but uh just the type of player he is and the type of fit he would be in this defense 
Well, I think that he would go higher if he had been at some other schools, but I think USC uh, in some ways held him back because they had him do a variety of things, which I think has helped his development uh, in terms of versatility for the NFL with them having him drop into coverage and uh, kind of set the edge and play, you know, do more reading of the offense rather than just pin his ears back and go after the quarterback. But when they let him do that, he was really impressive and he showed speed and strength, some versatility to slide inside in the sub package. Uh, so obviously, like you said, any pass rusher is going to benefit playing across from Miles Garrett. But I think Drake Jackson with with his upside, he could have been a first round pick. I think if he went to a different school uh, that let him just rush and pile up the sack numbers, I think he, he could have been a first rounder. But uh, because of that way USC used him, it kind of held him back, and I think that turns him into a really nice value on day two. If the Browns were to, let's say, go wide receiver in the second round, who would be at 78 some of the defensive ends you would be hoping for if you were Andrew Barry? Well, you know, the the third round ends, there's still some good players there. I think Michael Clemens from Texas A&M is just a good, well-rounded football player, really finished the season strong. Uh, might not be the, the flashiest of athlete, but he's just a well-rounded football player that plays the run well and can contribute uh, in the pass rush as well. So he would definitely be a player that I would keep an eye on. I think Nick Benito mm-hmm. from Oklahoma, he's smaller, more of kind of a linebacker, defensive end tweener. So he would really be a DPR, a designated pass rusher in the sub package. Uh, where you bring him in and just let him hunt the quarterback. And he's super uh, slippery and fast off the edge, undersized guy, but uh, definitely has natural pass rush ability to him. So if you brought, if you had more of a solid base end, I think that a player like Benito would be a really nice fit for the rotation as far as bringing in some heat in the sub package and adding another speed rusher across from Garrett. Charlie Campbell, our guest draft analyst at Walter Football. In the third round, you have us going defensive tackle, Perry and Winfrey out of Oklahoma. Um, you can talk about him specifically, but also just that position. Is is there a name that if he were to drop, and Nathan, I pretty strongly receiver D end at 44 feels like the way that it is. And then from that point on, we'll see. We know that there is a needed defensive tackle. Is there a name at D tackle that if somehow they were to drop to 44 would be too good to pass up? And then, and then and if it is the third round, obviously you like Winfrey, who else? Yeah, well, I think Devontae Wyatt is a name to keep an eye on. You know, he had a really good combine, showed off a great skill set. Um, so he definitely could go in the first round and had a good uh, senior year at Georgia. But some teams uh, aren't as enamored with him in terms of uh, baggage that comes with him. So, you know, when I've heard that with certain players and then they sometimes are kind of a surprising drop uh, because that wasn't well known beforehand. So uh, Wyatt would be a player to keep an eye on there. And I think he could go in the, he, he could easily go in the 20 to 35 section, but it, it's not out of the realm of possibility that he'd slip into the 40s, given that some teams aren't as comfortable with him and the personality front. 
Uh, and then in the third round, yeah, I think Winfrey would be an excellent pick as an interior pass rusher. Needs to get stronger and tougher against the run. Uh, but in the third round, you expect to get some players that need development in certain parts uh, of their skill set and as players. So you're not going to get a you know perfect specimen in the third round, a plug and start. But Winfrey would be a really nice interior pass rusher that uh, they could work with. Uh, as a run defender, and he has the skill set to potentially become a three-down starter. And then, there, you know, otherwise, this isn't a great draft for interior defensive line, but Neil Farrell from LSU could give them more of that bigger-bodied run stuffer, uh, a guy that can eat up blockers and kind of help free up the linebackers to run and chase. Uh, so, and, and they have a guy that can play some three technique in Jordan Elliott. So a nose tackle, uh, like Farrell could be worthy of consideration as well. I want to ask you real quickly about one edge that whose name just keeps popping up and I keep seeing him compared to Emmanuel Agba, who was drafted at a time when Andrew Berry was here with the Browns. So they, they liked him, Josh Pascal from Kentucky. Where, what's kind of the range where you expect him to go? It's just a name I've just, I've seen a lot lately. Yeah, he's been a riser later in the process. Uh, he, he kind of, I think, in the beginning was a little bit overlooked because he has a bit of a tweener body type in terms of a end tackle uh, kind of player, but he is just such a hard-nosed football player and a natural football player. If you watch a lot of SEC football like I do, of course, He's been a, a real presence the past few years. No one-year wonder with him. He's tough at the line of scrimmage, plays his tail off, is tough against the run. Even though he's not the biggest of guys, he holds his ground well, and he shows some wiggle and quickness uh, to cause some disruption and get some pressure. Uh, not a huge sack guy, but he's a good rusher in terms of working with the rush group. Uh, and helping to harass the quarterback. And teams have loved him. His football IQ and character has really impressed teams in the interviews. So I think Pascal uh, could end up going in the second round. If he slips to the third, he shouldn't last long. Um, but I think the second round is probably the most likely round that he's going to come off the board. Charlie Campbell, our guest draft analyst at Walter Football. Let, let's remove us from the equation and let's just go big picture with this draft. Um, where are you on these quarterbacks? And and I we kind of wondered at the combine: is it possible that more of these guys end up going than maybe their talent would justify? Uh, what do you think of the group, and and how many do you think will go in that first round when all is said and done? I think two will go in the first round. I think uh, Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis will go in the first round. Uh, I don't think, you, just given the the temperature from talking to people with teams, that there just isn't a lot of love uh, for the other quarterbacks. And even those two uh, come with a fair amount of doubt. And quarterback needy teams deciding that, you know, we're going to go with a different direction or we'll stick with kind of a stopgap veteran. For example, like Detroit, picking second overall, Obviously, Jared Goff uh, probably isn't a Super Bowl championship caliber quarterback, um, but they're sticking with him over taking Pickett or Willis because they're just not in love with those guys. And I think that's a real prevalent feeling around the league. So 
you, you never know. I mean, I know some teams had a fourth round grade on Christian Ponder and the Vikings took him 12th overall and other teams had, you know, EJ Manuel buried uh, and the bills took him in the top half of the first round. So, you know, the old adage of it only takes one is always so true. Uh, so maybe there is a surprise quarterback like Desmond Ritter or Sam Howell that goes in the first, but I think that would that would be a real shocker to me. I think you'll see Willis and Pickett go in the first and then, you know, a few more guys on day two. Uh, but this isn't really the year for to be taking a quarterback. If the teams that take a quarterback uh, I think this year are more in the in that department because they couldn't get one in free agency. You know, the teams that lost out on Deshaun, uh, Carolina, for example, uh, losing out on Stafford and then Deshaun Watson, now they're kind of boxed into a corner there. So uh, the teams that, that really went after it, whether it was the Colts, the Browns, the Broncos, uh, you know, they, they really – were aggressive and now they're sitting in a better position. Leave you with this one. If you go defensive end first, who would be a third round receiver that you would be psyched about for the Browns to pair with Deshaun Watson? Well, Calvin Austin, the speedster from Memphis, I think could go second, third round. I would be really excited uh, to see him with Deshaun Watson. That guy is just a bolt of lightning on the football field, just so fast. And I think, across the field from Amari Cooper, he'd be a great fit. And Deshaun throws a great deep ball. Uh, The accuracy on his deep ball is phenomenal. So, uh, you know, a guy like Austin, I think, could could mimic some of the big plays he had downfield with Will Fuller uh, in Houston. And then Cooper could do a lot more of what they did with uh, DeAndre Hopkins. So Austin definitely jumps out at me. Alec Pierce from Cincinnati. I've had some scouts say reminds them of Jordy Nelson coming out of Kansas State. He's big and fast. I think he's being overlooked a little bit. But uh, if you look at not only what he did at Cincinnati, but then at the combine when he's about 6'2", 6'3", 200 pounds and runs like a 4'4 flat, um, the skill set is there. And he was a really good receiver for Desmond Ritter. So I would be so psyched for the Browns if they were able to land Austin or Alec Pierce there uh, and at pick 78. Charlie, great stuff, man. Awesome. Thank you for your time today. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Great talking with you guys. All right, that's Charlie Campbell, draft analyst at Walter Football, OBM, Ohio Business Machine, preferred copier provider of your Cleveland Browns. They have all the X's and O's for your office. I encourage you to give them a call at 216-485-2000 or visit ohiobusinessmachines.com. We will go around the league and take a look at what could be our number four draft need coming up in the second hour of the program. You'll listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Rumpke Waste Recycling, family-owned and operated. Whether you join them as a customer or as an employee, you'll become part of the family. Visit Rumpke.com to learn more. Uh, you told me in the break that you have a quote that I, you want to read for me or something has come across your attention span that yeah, I need to be brought to mind? I decided to get a kick out of it. I okay. guess they're doing the, – the Jags have reported they have a new coach, so they're one oh. of the teams that have reported. Oh, uh, 
and Travis Etienne was doing a media mm. availability. Of course, missed his entire rookie season with a Liz Frank injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was asked about, you know, missing that season amidst all of the Jags drama with Urban Meyer. And he said, quote, if there was any year to miss, I missed a great one. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. <sighs> All oh, right, so boy. I was so that so this is this got me thinking, and Urban was in the news over the weekend because of uh, you know reacting to the tragedy of the loss of Dwayne Haskins. So I saw him quoted again around Columbus and stuff, and I it got me thinking about there are sports figures who are beloved in certain places and completely disliked everywhere else. There aren't many of them, I think, and I don't know that Myers even beloved in Columbus. I think he's loved, liked, loved. What about I think, Gainesville? I think that not liked so at all. So it's a short list. I, I think Woody's probably the best example. Woody Hayes is beloved in Ohio and in Columbus, and most people just remember the end of Woody Hayes. If you didn't grow up here, my point of reference on Woody Hayes was he seemed like a crazy man who strangled a kid like on the field. That's what it seemed like to me as a kid. And then I moved to Columbus. It was like, oh, Woody did all of these things, and he was right, incredible, sure. and it was all of this positive stuff. And he's revered, but he's revered here. I don't know that he is elsewhere. The only, the most, the, the current contemporary best example of this, I think, is Barry Bonds, who probably gets along quite well in San Francisco, where they seem to kind of be cool with him. And because, he's from there. I mean, he's, right. He provided a bunch of great moments, a legacy guy. He chose to play there. He could have played anywhere, leaving Pittsburgh. Chose to play in San Francisco. Um, and then provided all these great memories for people who live there. But it feels like he's he could kind of only be home there. Yeah. Like everywhere else, what's his Q rating? Nothing. No. Disgraced. Right. Disgraced. But in San Francisco. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure he played his high school baseball at Sarah. So I think he's from. Was well, dad would have his dad played for the Giants? So Bobby played with I'm Willie Mays. Pretty sure he's from so. the Bay Area. Yeah, he was born in he was born in Riverside, but he played in high school. Yeah, at Sarah, I had that right. So yeah, he's been around the bay, but I think you're right. That's where he would, that's where he's going to have to be. Yeah, which great place to be. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he's he's doing quite well. Where where's the where's his neighborhood? You think that where he lives now? Yeah, if you're Barry Bonds and you have his resources, which I mean, in the Bay Area, you're going to need a lot of resources yeah. to live the type of way you want to live. But where where, where would you, you live if you lived in the city itself? Yeah, well, Baker's yeah. Beach. Which is like where you live in some of the mansions, Twin Peaks, I guess. Or you'd probably, my guess is he lives in Marin County. You go and you live in Marin County. Is that north or south? That's over. <sighs> south is San Jose, not south. So north. So is it across like Golden Gate? Yeah. Uh-huh. Like Sausalito? Yeah. I like a Sausalito. Sausalito's great. Had a fantastic lunch there. Sausalito. Then you get down into Montecito. All the Edos. All the Edos are wins. You never have a bad Edo in in California. We were engaged in wine country. And uh, on the way to wine country, we had a nice little lunch in Sausalito that I remember quite well. No boredom in wine country. No. God, you're thriving. Thriving. Just thriving. (laughs) It's as big a thrive as ever. I mean, really is. That's the place. Like, if I could, if I ever, Mama, I made it. If you could have be one of those people who makes it to the degree where you can have a house on the hill of, on Mount Veter overlooking the valley and vines and grow your own wine, I mean, that seems pretty much like you're I, living in. I had no heaven. real appreciation or knowledge of it when we went there. We got engaged in 2008 um, and had no real, I wasn't a big wine drinker yeah. or anything. Um, and you grew up so close. 
I know. Sad. I never t- never took the short drive, two hour drive north. Yeah. Um, but when we were there, I said that to my wife. I said, like, if something were ever to align to where you could, you had in, do whatever the heck you want. This That's is where it. you go. This is where you go. There's no doubt. Like just the air, the skies. It's just flawless. The food. It's, it's heaven on earth. I yeah, mean, it is. It's pretty good. And the only there's California's got three of those. They've got that place. Um, they've got that Big Sur area there. The only thing with that area, the Carmel Big Sur area, is a little cooler. Can be cooler. Yeah, right. You know, you're like in the 60s. So that's. But you are playing and living at Pebble you're living Beach. at Pebble Beach, and it's quarter zips. By the way, how about the Nantucket Reds on that photo I sent you of Nance pre-Masters? I mean, <laughs> just, just an absolute. So just an embarrassment of riches. I'm the greatest, and you know it. I know it. And I know it, and I'm going to rock them, and what are you going to say? And we're Nothing. all good with it. You're right. Yeah. Um, and then the other, Santa Barbara's pretty dang good. It's a pretty good spot. That Santa Barbara, Montecito area is a win. Santa Barbara's great. They do they do well for themselves in the California. Yeah. Um, do you want to do a couple of these football things, or do you want, want me to hit you with one other uh, sports observation? You can go one more observation, then we'll get into football. Then we'll get into football. Yeah. All right. Stephen Kwan, the, uh, the Guardians guy who hits every time. Is it like 690? Something well, like they this. already said on Barstool, he's probably the best baseball player ever. He might be. Yeah. yeah, he might be. So I was looking into him this morning, like, and this is novice baseball, and this isn't necessarily meant to get into a baseball conversation at all. In fact, it's not. I was trying to think of who are people who burst on the scene out of nowhere, and in some cases, Fernando gone. Valenzuela. No question. That's that's a great one. But was he? I I don't remember. Was he? Was it known that he was going to be good? No, it was not. Like Fernando Mania came out. Of, I remember yeah. the Mania, but I couldn't remember like was he like a prospect that people thought would be good or but not. Not like that. Not like how he was. And that's probably the best example. Jeremy I, Lin. Jeremy Lin was the first one that I thought of. Lin Sanity. Sanity was wild. Came out of nowhere. It was like a month stretch with the Knicks where he, he hit like everything. A game. He sco- he hit everything. It felt like he hit game winners. Carmelo was on that team. He was jealous of it. Like, it was a weird dynamic, but he, like, owned Manhattan for a month and a half. Yeah. Yeah. The other one I thought of from a baseball standpoint, and I should have gone to Fernando, but that I I missed that one, was Yasiel Puig. (laughs) Mm. Yasiel Puig was shot out of a cannon. There was a crazy story about he was smuggled from Cuba into Mexico and hidden and then brought up and then just went lights out for the Dodgers. Like, hit 480, hit a home run almost like, felt like every other day he was hitting a home run and he had this physical part to his game that was almost Bo Jackson-esque um there aren't many examples of but football. then he like fizzled right he did but he ended up doing a, like he's a 280 hitter career okay he's a 280 career hitter uh, like 132 home runs like I think what happened with him and he had a stint here I think what ended up happening with him was like you know like with a lot of these guys like the, the pain in the neck became a little bit more than the talent yeah you know the off-field stuff. I got an eyelash in my eye. It's killing me. I know. It's driving me nuts. Um, but yeah, those are the guys. Is there anybody else I missed? Who's a, is there a football guy who did that? Who burst and then was extinguished? Who was kind of a comet? Maybe you can make the case, Peyton Hillis. There's a great one. <laughs> yeah. That's a I great one. That. No, that's a great one. That's out of nowhere. Yeah, that was out of nowhere. nowhere. Cover yeah. Madden and gone. Won me a fantasy title. Yeah, I oh. remember picking him up on on the wire gone very quickly yeah that's a great one it's a good job out of you priest homes for like a little bit more longevity but when you go back like it was really three years but he was for three years he was like the best player in football for three years and then gone i've got a list here okay um let me scroll through buster douglas 
Yes, yes boxing's no. hard. It's because a little it's different because it's a one hit. That's a one hit. He's really a one hit wonder. And I love Buster and have gotten to know him through the years. Great human. Um, yeah, I mean that that there's no. It's one of the biggest upsets in the history of sports. Don Makowski, the Magic, the Man. Magic Man. Yeah, that one season in Green Bay with Sterling Sharp. Dana Barros. I don't. I feel like he languished in the league for a while. No, that wasn't. It wasn't quite as big a splash. I don't know. No. When Troll Davis came out of nowhere. Yep. I don't know if this one counts or not. Brady Anderson. That was one steroid induced. Him and Brett Boone, like they both had Anderson hit the fifty home run season. Yeah, and Brett Boone had a year when he hit like. 350, 48 home runs, 150-some RBI. And I'm pretty sure Brady Anderson's best before that was, like, maybe 20. Well, that was like Bonds hit 73 and that he was, never hit 40. That was the creatine, and, yeah, they called it creatine steroids, the whole whatever it was. That All was that era, yeah. The whole era. He went, so the year where you're talking about when he hit 50, the year before that, the three years prior, he combined to hit – 41 the three years <laughs> prior he combined to hit 41 and then he hits 50 the two years immediately after that he hits a combined 36 wow icky woods there's a good one i like icky the, i knew that there was one here in that denver offense with shanahan olandis gary yep 1,200 yeah. yards, seven scores. But he didn't even reach His that, next like, best season was 384 yards and two touchdowns. Mike Anderson would be – I mean, there was a while where Denver Some of that was, was just, just producing. Like the, that was just the, the Shanahan thing. Yeah. Like, it didn't matter. Their offensive line was so good that it kind of didn't matter who it was. Um, NFL-wise, Scott Mitchell. Yep. Detroit Lions got a nice But was payday. Scott Mitchell ever good in the NFL? Was good enough to get a big contract. Some of that was like that. That kind of happened with Matt Flynn too, though. Like he had like one, one start, and then that got him paid, and then Russ beat him out, and the rest is history. Now, see, in '95, Detroit Lions Scott Mitchell torched the NFL, setting franchise records for passing yards four thousand three hundred thirty-eight and touchdowns thirty-two. Okay, while throwing just twelve ints. I mean, yeah, he was the backup to Marino, you know. And at that point, like everyone was trying to find the. You know, it was like this, the Steve Young, Steve Bono thing. The Monte, like find the backup to the great quarterback who'd been groomed. Mark, the same thing happened, happened in Green Bay with like Mark Brunell, who's a backup. Like everybody just wanted somebody who was in that system who was groomed right. So there's a couple. I and I this the Quan thing was that he comes out of nowhere. Like he's there was no not to it's say incredible. that this, it's not sustainable, but like in in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> the Barstool be, article said he surpassed three thousand hits in his eighth season. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, Gabe Warner tweets at the show from earlier, our conversation. Fellas, currently on a bus full of eighth graders on the way to D.C. God bless you, Gabe. Gabe. Uh, There's Godspeed. Hope you brought a flask. Uh, Your cologne takes hit close. Also reminds me of my eighth grade experience. In eighth grade, my parents got me a Calvin Klein cologne sampler. Yeah. Do you think that was all of our parents and aunts and uncles and grandparents just saying, look, you guys stink and you don't shower enough? And we got to cover it up, man. I don't know. Because there was it, a big thing. Is that still a thing? Like, do eighth grade kids rock cologne like we did? 
it was i don't know if they do i just think it was the thing and they were always the gift box it was just an easy, it was an easy holiday gift box gift. and you could go buy it like remember, drug mart you would walk into the stores back then yeah you'd walk in and they would be right there and it'd be like oh this is a nice thing for little tommy yeah he, he might enjoy this and he's so a, that's he's what a it man was. now yeah all right very good by the way one other development here from rap sheet in the last 25 minutes Former Chiefs pass rusher Melvin Ingram visiting the Dolphins today. He played very well for the Chiefs down the stretch. It's crazy to me that it did not work out at all for him with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Because remember, they just like I think they cut him and he went to the Chiefs. Seems like it, yeah. At the end, at the midpoint of the season, and he was very, very good. Um, by the way, I was just looking this up about Fernando Valenzuela. So he began his baseball career uh, with the guanajato tuzos of the mexican central league he was five and six with a 2.2 era the following year it was absorbed in the expanded mexican league elevating the 18 year old to the triple a level he pitched for the leones de yucatan that year went 10 and 12 with a 2.49 era number of mlb teams scouted venezuela during this time the dodgers had a guy there and they signed and they bought out his contract on july 6 1979 for 120k so he wasn't like Drafted, yeah. he was discovered, old school scouting, goes to the Dodgers, uh, started off at the high A level, the Lodi Dodgers, moves up quickly, ends up getting called up at the end of 80, pitches 17 and a half, two-thirds scoreless innings um, at the end of his rookie season. And then the next year he was named the opening day starter as a rookie after Jerry Royce was injured 24 hours before his scheduled start and Burt Hooten was not ready to fill in, shut them out, and then all of a sudden he started the season 8-0, no, 5 shutouts, ERA of .5. And Fernando Mania was born. So great thirty for thirty on that. totally out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great thirty for thirty. On and he that. always so looked up. That was probably the best. Yeah. That's probably the best example of it, of of that type of circumstance happening. Um, all right, we will uh, we'll go around the league. Couple of couple of notes here. We'll get to. Uh, we'll get to that coming up next. Uh, Nick Shook coming up at the bottom of the hour. You listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on eight fifty ESPN Cleveland. <laughs> Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Your business is shopping for an enterprise operating systems partner, but you don't know where to begin. Bo here for my friends at EOX Vantage. They're data scientists who also are business operations experts. Your EOX Vantage team not only builds and installs your system, they act as an ongoing tech support, so you're hiring a continuous improvement and support system. EOX Vantage is not tied to any single brand or hardware or software, so you're getting a truly customized purpose-built solution along with a partner that answers only to you and EOX Vantage does not outsource all the operational expertise proprietary solutions and tech support come from one unified partner see how companies have profited from hiring one fully objective operating systems partner at eoxvantage.com a um, couple of things I, I saw I, I saw this about uh, the Garoppolo thing there's a CBS sports report and certainly Baker would apply to this as well in terms of, of landing spots for quarterbacks. And I, I think one thing that could happen and one thing to watch for in the draft here um, is once that draft is completed, if there is a run on quarterbacks that happens in the first round, or if you are, let's just say, in the most likely place for this would be Carolina. If you are Carolina and there's a guy you like, I believe they pick at six, 
there's a guy you like at six that is off the board. So let's say they love Malik Willis. But let's say somebody went and got him. Which would be aggressive. Which would be quite aggressive. Yeah. But let's say that that happened. Then I think Carolina, with year four of Matt Rule, having missed on Stafford and having missed on Watson, I do not think that they would just say, hey, Sam Darnold, let's give it another go. I don't. I Agreed. think that would be a team that would be aggressive for Garoppolo or Baker should the draft doesn't not fall the way that they want it to. I agree with that wholeheartedly, and I do think that we are getting near to the point where we're going to see some action you know, on that front. And Jason Lockenford reported yesterday that uh, you know, he doesn't think this Baker situation will go on much longer because he doesn't think that you know, the Browns wanted to go on much longer and neither does Baker and that they're going to be able to, you know, figure this out. And I think the Browns have still a, a roster in which there are clear needs, and we'll talk about those in a second, but there are also positions of great strength. And so I think the Browns do have some flexibility if they want to explore, you know, creative moves or perhaps bigger packages to make a move that could net assets or players or all of the above. I don't know that it's necessarily that it's got to be Baker in one deal. It could be a bigger deal than that. And we'll, I, I don't know what that would be, but that's something I think that we'll see as the draft gets closer. I think the draft is, look, the draft or immediately in the wake of the draft, to your point, are the most obvious times to have a deal be made. Absolutely. Uh, and then this, today, uh, the congressional hearings – in D.C. in regard to the uh, Washington football team and their owner, Dan Snyder, and Warren Sharp doing a pretty good job of chronicling everything that happened here. And we've been wondering if there was anything that could happen that would force Dan Snyder to sell, knowing that none of the owners want any part of setting that precedent. They want no part of it. Um, but it did happen in the NBA with Donald Sterling, and it may happen with Dan Snyder, and maybe this is the final straw here. Uh, Warren Sharp chronicling this on his Twitter. Um, so in this report, in, the, in, in this report into the investigation of Dan Snyder, he raised prices and categorized surplus revenue as bogus licensing fees related to concerts and college football games to prevent sharing with other owners. Yeah, that seems like a, it's pretty, a, bit that's much. a pretty big deal. Yeah. Um, uh, included in that, he also took um, affordable general admission tickets and then sold in bulk to third-party brokers. Uh, he told fans that tickets are sold out. Then they tell fans they had no other option to attend, either join 160,000K waitlist or buy a premium ticket. Um, it's a 20-page doc from the Committee of Oversight and Reform uh, that is now made public. And, and did if you mentioned this, I apologize. I no, didn't okay. hear it, but the $5 million in refundable deposits from season ticket holders that they withheld? Oh, I did not read that part. I, 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 there's a lot to this, there's so I missed lot. that. Yeah. Wow. That's the athletic headline. The commanders and owner Daniel Snyder allegedly withheld up to $5 million in refundable deposits from season ticket holders, according to a letter to con from Congress to the FTC. They also hid money that was supposed to be shared among NFL owners, and then, to your point, the tickets where they said it was sold out and forced people to join wait lists or buy these premium seats. Yeah, I mean, this one is – I, I feel like this is going to have to be – it feels like this might be where it's going to have to be dealt with. It appears that he was running two sets of books. Uh, this is a quote. Um, there are a set of books that kept internally shown to Mr. Snyder and his inner circle, maybe, that shows what we actually did, which would include the juice. Not great. Not great. No. Not great. No. Um, I'll tell you what. If, if they do, if somebody does that and they force – 
sale of that. If I were the person buying that team, I would rebrand them the Washington Red Hogs tomorrow. Same. And I would make movement to move the stadium to back to D.C. I don't even – that's tricky, I'm sure. But you do those two things, and away you go. Away you go. I'm with you. Get rid of the nickname. Just but get I, out of that stadium. Like I don't care what you do. Stadium's garbage. Well, that predated him. Jack Kent Cook yep. built that stadium, um, but he did stuff out there like with, where you couldn't park if you know if you parked somewhere other than their stadium and paid their fees. You know, you couldn't get that, all of that stuff. So there's, um, yeah, it's brutal. It's brutal across the board. I just, how much can you? How much can a league withstand from an ownership standpoint before it says enough? It's enough. That's it. And it feels like we're there with him, with this stuff going public. So um, we will see about that. The great Nick Shook joining us coming up next. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Bath Authority can give your bathroom the bathroom of your dreams. A spa-like feel can happen in about a day for you with my friends at the Bath Authority. And a fraction of the cost of the competitors. The Bath Authority, it's our area's premier bath and shower remodeler, expert, factory-trained installers. If you call right now, you get 500 bucks off your next custom bath or shower remodel. That number is 216-220-8399 or go to thebathauthority.com. It's where affordability meets quality. Guys, they have the largest selection of bath projects. They're all made in the United States. Change your bathroom. From outdated to outstanding, acrylic tubs insulate to keep that heat in. Tub to shower conversion, superior products, expert installers, 500 bucks off right now, 216-220-8399 or go to thebathauthority.com. With that, we head on the hotline for our good buddy, Nick Shook. Nick Shook. Nick Shook. He joins us, NFL.com. Hey, buddy, before we get into all the football, what was your first cologne as a kid? Oh, yeah. This is a good one for sure. Mm, Calvin Klein won. Wow, CK1. one so forward. You could wear it. Your girlfriend could Anybody wear it. Could wear Everybody it. could wear Incredible it. Incredible marketing campaign. Kind of a frosted glass container on that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Did you ever wear that with a significant other so that when, like, they knew, oh, here comes the Shooks coming to town. Like, when <laughs> no. you just locked in, bolt no. smell it. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. You a could? That's what it was made fragrance for. Has, it's always been mine and mine alone. You know, I have my oh. own. Yeah. And to this day? Oh, yeah. To oh, this still day. rocking it, bravo! Uh, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll occasionally use a little uh, uh, YSL or um, I like Chanel Blue, man. I, you know, I, I first smelled, smelled Chanel Blue when I was like nineteen. I was like, that smells good just every once in a blue moon. Sure, wow, God, cultured man. He I is love that. I do love that about shades you. of God burgundy. Bless you. Yeah, it really is. It's spectacular. God bless you, man. How you been? Hey, you know, we were talking. Um, this has been. As quiet a two weeks as we can remember. There's just been nothing. League, I mean, there's little stuff here and there. There's big business stuff, right, Shook? Like this Daniel Snyder stuff that kind of dropped today. This is, you know, just continues to add to the list of things with him. But business in terms of free agency and that stuff has been pretty quiet for the last 10 days. What do you think the reason for that is? 
Uh, I, I can tell you that I've never felt more thankful for a thing slowing down after the first <laughs> month of the offseason. It was insane. I think, you know, I also think it's just phases. You know, I think we go through cycles where the, the first phase of free agency was crazy and it was even crazier because of trades. And then once the quarterback carousel started to slow down and the dust kind of settled, you know, teams were left to, you know, kind of maybe discuss a little bit with some of those veteran guys who are out there on the market who may or may not have much of a market um, or much demand, kind of waiting them out, I think. And also just looking toward the draft and, and you know, like the Clay's Campbell thing happened and, and that made a lot of sense, um, but I think that's about like the level of a deal that you're going to get done at this point until you get to the draft. Now, after the draft, we can see some more movement because then teams really know where they're where they are. But as of now, I think pretty much every team has checked off every major goal on their list, and and then we'll just go into the draft to shore things up from there. Shook. When we go through the, the great things at NFL.com, obviously we gravitate immediately to Nick Shook's work because it is fine. It is just, it's elite, it's electric. But we also came across a great article about the Greybeards. And the Greybeards, the 30 and over team right now, which I think maybe could make the playoffs in the NFC, quite frankly, although Clay's Campbell off the list. When you look at the kind of the amount of talent that is still out there right now in the National Football League available before this draft, are you expecting to see kind of a draft and then a flurry of action where these veterans sign with teams? Or, or how do you see this all playing out? Because it's almost unprecedented the amount of talent that's out there at, at important positions too. You know, I think we saw something similar to this happen in baseball a few years ago where there was like no off season movement at all. And the market was just completely depressed um, and, and values were just, you know, falling dramatically. Um, I think it's, and it was because of a standoff, the team's unwilling to actually go after guys and offer contracts. I think you're kind of getting a little bit of that right now um, in, in the fact that, you know, like you said, there is a lot of talent still out there. And I do expect a lot of that to, to figure itself out after the draft, like you said, because, you know, you're going to have an idea. It's not that these guys don't have ideas of it at this point, but you're going to have an even better idea of where these teams are. Because we know, I mean, if you look at the team, the league right now, you know the teams that are all in that are going for it right now. But what do they still need after the draft? That's when some of these guys who are looking to latch onto a title contender can find their best fit maybe get the most money. Maybe a team goes in and is looking for a corner that they can get in the first round. They swing and miss on all those guys. They end up, you know, taking somebody in the third or fourth round. That's too much of, to ask of a day two or a day three guy. Let's go get a veteran who's still out there who can still make an impact because yep. we need somebody to make an impact right now, and I think a lot of that's going to come after. It is interesting, though. I think everything in the NFL landscape is changing so rapidly that we just repeatedly find ourselves sitting back for just a moment to realize, wow, this is so unique. This is so different. This is so unlike how it used to be. And I think the TV money has a lot to do with that and, and what we expect to come in, in future, you know, financial windfalls and everything else. But I also just think that, you know, I mean, it went back to the regular season, the way the, the craziness of the regular season. It's going over into the offseason with quarterback movement and everything else. We're in a new era. I can say it confidently now. We're in a new era of the NFL. We are, and part of the era is that of player empowerment and quarterbacks demanding out and, and moving, and the Browns obviously get Deshaun Watson. We'll talk about that in a second. Russell Wilson goes uh, to Denver. But, you know, we talked earlier today about some of the comments coming out of Baltimore on Lamar Jackson. It just – if I was a fan of the Ravens and a Lamar Jackson fan and wanted him to be their quarterback, it just feels like something weird's going on there. What do you make – of what's going on with the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. Yeah, you feel a little nervous, wouldn't you? I mean, it's, it's – Yeah. I, I can understand from Lamar's perspective waiting this out. 
and trying to maximize his value. But the value is pretty damn high. I mean, <laughs> Aaron Rodgers had just had over $50 million a year committed to him, you know, a few seasons down the line, but in that extension. You saw the deal that Deshaun was guaranteed. I mean, the ceiling has never been higher. The bar has never been higher for the quarterback market. So why not strike a deal? It's not like, you know, the next guy to go is going to set the market. It's it's your time now if you're Lamar Jackson to sign. It is strange. And, and it's the strangest part about it is, as you said, Eric DaCosta, the way he's talked about that, you know, I can't just tell Lamar to come in here and get it done. He's got to have to indicate interest, and he hasn't. It's This is a team that built itself around Lamar, and I'm not trying to sow any discord or, or you, know, uh, you know, uncertainty with the team, but it is interesting that they're going to go into this season, it seems, without an extension. Now, there's a lot of time left, of course. you got about four months before the preseason anyway, so there's plenty of time left. But if it continues the way it's going right now, you know, this is a team that completely remodeled itself to, to fit its quarterback that may not be under contract beyond this year, and that does cause some worry. And the fact that, you know, they've kind of just taken, you know, pretty blunt statements or stances on the matter is, is a little bit unique uh, compared to some other situations with other players. Yeah, you kind of have to feel, don't you, that it's almost like it's gotten to him where they want to be and it's nowhere near where he wants to be. And this is his protest. That's kind of the only thing I can think of. And I'm sure the deal we gave to Sean is not helping matters from his perspective or theirs. And there's, I think there's clear trepidation on their side. That's what I mean. Like, him that sure. guy. like yeah, no I, doubt. we don't want to do a quarter billion on this because who knows? Right. And, and he's going, well, fine then if you're not going to do that, then the hell with you. I'm going to do that. I'm going to go this route. It, it does feel like we are trying to, the reason this all came up shook is Z and I were talking about, who could be the next guy who could kind of force his way? And the only two we could come up with was Lamar and Kyler. Like, they were the next two that could maybe find themselves in the position that Russell Wilson was in, the position that Deshaun Watson was in, where it was like, boy, really? They just had, they got new deals. They've been paid. Now they're on the market. Those are the two names that came up to us. Those are two eerily similar situations, too, because, you know, trepidation on, on his part, but also I think from an organizational perspective, because – Let's not forget, you know, we aren't too far removed from the Ravens going 14-2 and two and then getting bounced in the playoffs. And then the next yeah. year winning the playoff game and then getting bounced in the next round. There might be a question of how far can he take us? Now, he's an electrifying player. I'll never dispute that. No but doubt. There's been a bit of a playbook that's been put out, especially when they've been in adverse situations health-wise, to shut him down. The Miami Dolphins did it last year, and a yep. lot of teams deployed that against them from there on out. So the question is, is what is their ceiling? And the reason it's similar to Kyler Murray is, Kyler Murray's a great regular season player for the most part if he's healthy, but when things get tough, he has not proven to this point that he's resilient enough to lead this, his team to victory through the adversity. So uh, the question there is, what is the ceiling with him as well? They're both electric, dynamic players. Um, they're part of this new class and, and guys who are really reshaping the position. But if you're from an organizational standpoint, you're in a position where you have to commit a lot of money, and the Browns just went and did that. Um, I don't know if I'd feel 100% confident to, to commit that much money to those guys uh, if you have those questions. And, you know, I think it's also really – I wasn't surprised at all to hear that it was Steve Bashotti, you know, the owner of the Ravens, the one that was kind of talking publicly about the, the effects of the Deshaun Watson deal and, and, sure. and guaranteeing that money because, of course, he is an owner of a team that's going to have to make a decision on a quarterback. So, of course, it's going to immediately affect him. Now, down the road – we're going to see the salary cap continue to increase. It's not going to look like that much money down the road. It's going to be, you know, the, a the annual average per year uh, salary is going to be pretty affordable on Watson's contract. But I think other teams don't want to be the next team to follow that right now. No, you're right. Talking with Nick Shook. And, Nick, let's talk about Watson. Your reaction when, 
you found out? Where were you? How'd you find out? And then all the, the range of thoughts. And I'm, there's a lot to it, right? There's a football component. There's the non-football component. Just kind of walk us through your thoughts. Uh, I was in my home office just working away, and uh, the news came down, and I was stunned because, you know, the day before, he'd been put out of the running. They were out. And that also happened to be Saint, the week of St. Patrick's Day, and the vibe in Cleveland was one of um, a little bit of despair about the quarterback situation because they'd struck out on Watson, Baker, you know, they burned the bridge with Baker, they had nowhere to go. So for them to essentially do a 180 and, and land him, from, from a football perspective, it's a, it's a major win. Now, you know, we'll see what happens in terms of any potential discipline from the league and games missed and, you know, via suspension. We'll see what happens. You know, that, that stuff remains. And you're right, the off-field stuff is a lot to unpack as well. Um, from a strictly football perspective, it's a huge addition. It's, it's massive. It's franchise-changing. I think we all understand that. Um, we'll see, you know, what continues off the field and, and, and what comes of that, um, the fact that, you know, he's not – you know, multiple grand juries declined to indict him on, on the allegations. I thought that was semi-significant. I also wouldn't discount, you know, what the, the, those who have alleged, you know, I wouldn't discount their, their statements either. Um, you just kind of have to let that all play out and, uh, and, and see where it goes. But, yeah, from a football perspective, it's, it's massive. And, and I'm sure Browns fans can't wait to watch him play football for them whenever that does happen. It kind of goes back to that. You you said in one of your earlier comments, but we were talking about the AFC, and you said, I, I don't recall so many teams going for it. Nathan and I were doing the math. It feels like there's eight teams in the AFC alone that can, that if you were to ask them, do you consider yourself a Super Bowl contender, their answer would be yes. And it felt like there were 13 teams in the AFC that if you said, are you a playoff contender, they would say yes. Uh, of course, I went to state school, Nick, so I'm not great at math, but if seven hey, make the playoffs <laughs> – <laughs> you too. That's a lot out. Um, it, 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 I, I don't know that we've ever seen anything like this. No, we haven't. But I also think it's it's indicative of the new landscape. I think this is maybe not necessarily the norm, but this is actually not the first fully guaranteed contract for a quarterback. It's just the first fully guaranteed contract of this magnitude. You know, Kirk Cousins set yep. that mark in Minnesota, which a lot of people were like, wow, that's insane. And it worked out fine for them. Now, of course, it's more money to, to, to Deshaun Watson over a longer term. But let's also look back at the fact that Kirk Cousins got an extension with the Vikings. So um, I, I don't think it's the worst move for the Browns. If that's what it took to get the, the deal done and, and, and Watson ends up being the guy he was in Houston, I mean, it's all going to be worth it for them in the end um, in terms of, you know, production at, at the position. Because oh, yeah. if you look at the Browns, I mean, you guys know this very well, but if you look at the Browns in history, they've had, what, two quarterbacks that are have, like, Maybe three. We'll go with three. Uh, with that type of name recognition, you start with Otto Graham, you go to Brian Seif, and then you go to Bernie Kosar. Bernie Kosar last played when my dad was in you know, his mid to late 20s and, and then was going on to tell me the stories about the drive and the fumble and, and all the craziness, and, you know, the, the wild card game in 86 against the Jets, how people were trying to fight their way back into the stadium. That was a long time ago, okay? <laughs> it's yes, it was. They have, a, they have a franchise-changing quarterback, so I think it's totally worth it um, if you get that production. Yeah, I mean, I, I spent a couple hours earlier, I think it was late last week, watching Watson tape. I mean, he is simply phenomenal. We're working on a project that I think Browns fans will, will certainly be interested in in the near term. But, yeah, this gives you an opportunity to have a guy that when everybody knows you have to throw it, that can still execute and throw the football and be effective for your team. And I think that really is when you're in a conference that's got Mahomes and that's got Josh Allen and Herbert and Russell Wilson and Joe Burrow, you, that's, that's what you need to be able to compete, I think, at the highest levels of this conference. And, and Deshaun Watson certainly gives you that. 
Yeah, without a, without a doubt, absolutely. And I, and you know that might speak to the Lamar Jackson thing too because he won MVP. But like you know, like we already discussed, um, you know, he could, you know, he's he, we've seen where he can get into that point. I think Deshaun Watson. It's like I try to explain to to you know people who've asked me about this prior to it because I first heard the rumblings about Deshaun potentially you know being a fit in Cleveland at the combine, where, you know, where everything, all the news is exchanged, and it was the term was dark horse. He was a dark horse. Uh, you know, the Cleveland was the dark horse to potentially get him. And then, you know, obviously that all comes to fruition. But as I, you know, as that kind of came out and I was talking to people about this, they were like, well, what does he give that Baker doesn't give you? And it's it's not necessarily that we need to compare one to the other, but you've seen what you, the Browns have gotten out of Baker Mayfield getting to the playoffs, winning the playoff game. And that's what they were saying. Well, he, he won us a playoff game, and that's great. But you, eventually that wild card win is not going to be enough, you know, Marty Schottheimer went 14-2 and in San Diego and got fired because he didn't get to the Chargers to the Super Bowl. You can win a lot of regular season games. You can win a couple playoff games. But if you can't get over the hump eventually, it's going to be a bunch of wasted years and wasted talent. And I think Deshaun Watson can get you to the Super Bowl, and that's why it's a great upgrade. Between, I'll get you out of here on this one. Between now and the draft, uh, what, what are you be keeping your eye on? Anything? Any? Do you sense any more business between now and the draft, or do you think it'll be quiet for the next couple of weeks? I mean, from a Browns perspective, I'm curious to see what they do at edge rusher. And, and that's a big. That's Kyle. the one question. Yep. There's no doubt. That is the biggest yeah, and, unresolved and, question. Yep. Without a doubt. I. You know. I. As the days pass, I think it's less and less likely that Jarvis ends up back with the team. But who knows? We'll see what happens. Um, and. You know, so that's it really from the Browns' perspective. Then you enter the draft. Um, I, I think a lot of teams are kind of in that situation right now, like we like we discussed, where you know they they enter the draft, they fill some voids, and then they circle back to their remaining free agents and, and fill the gaps accordingly. I don't see a lot of big stuff coming, but then again, you know, it, it does seem a little quiet in the lead up to the draft. Yeah. Maybe it's because the quarterback class isn't there. But next week, I'm sure the rumor, the rumor mill will start up, and we'll hear a lot about it. And we'll be within a week, you know, within nine days, and it'll all get real busy. Always good talking to you, brother. Be the well. Best. Nick Shook. Thanks, guys. Always fun to be on. Love you guys. Love you too, buddy. Love you the too, great man. Nick Shook joining us on the hotline. Still so much more to come. You'll listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Should we, should we hit Gibbe with our... Sorry that I'm just bringing it back like the old days. Yeah, go. No. Welcome back to Cleveland Browns Daily. Nathan Zagurbo Bishop. Give me sure. have to edit I remember that. my Welcome. first microphone. I learned how to talk into it. There it is. There it is. I was ready it, for it. But it's great. Should we tell hit, him? Tell sh- him what's been offered. All right. I don't know. Is it a firm offer or it is felt, it a? It felt pretty. I'd firm. like you to consider. Either way, I feel like it's intriguing. Give a. What would you say, given that Cleveland Browns Daily is the only radio show in the world emanating from a studio? that was christened by the Secretary of the Navy. What would you say about doing a Cleveland Browns Daily episode live from the flight deck of a naval aircraft carrier in May? Are we in the middle of the Gulf? Are we at an undisclosed location? No. Are we embedded? No, we will be here. No, right here. Right here. Is there? A, is it like the, uh, the ships that come through, like, tours? Like, what do we... We could tell I mean, you. I'm not the director. We of could tell you. 
but I, I used to go to those as a kid. I used to go to those. Like, yeah, I like don't know. They, it was something like uh, it feels like that sounds like, like a likely scenario. Yeah. What would you think about that? Just depends on a signal logistically signal strength. <laughs> Let's feels go. like a logistically, if we could, that'd be something. I mean, you got to deal with a little wind. It would be awesome. Yeah, it would be. All great. I want to do is somehow parlay that into hopping in the back of an F-14 and just take me for a ride, baby. Well. Launch me one time. It's not going to be a carrier that's pulling in to Cleveland. Just oh, so but we're clear. I don't know that if you heard me or not, but what I said was from the flight deck. Flight deck. Of an aircraft carrier. So you're probably a chopper situation? No, this is an aircraft carrier. You're an not. Aircraft there's not an aircraft carrier. Do we have you that cannot right, get an aircraft carrier. Right, in we gotta, we'll get this locked yeah. up with Previtz. We'll get this locked up Please. with Previtz. Um, all right. Next level's coming up next. We're back tomorrow. Enjoy your Tuesday. It's a bluebird <laughs> day. Happy birthday, birthday, 80. 18th birthday. Oh, happy birthday. Happy birthday. The child Ooh, wow. Grows up Canada. and groans up. Now, now if you get in trouble, it counts. She can have her first adult beverage. She can go to Canada. Oh, Perfect. Yeah. First one. Next level next. Cleveland Browns Daily, 850 ESPN Cleveland. You've been listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, a production of the Cleveland Browns and ESPN 850 WKNR.